On this episode of Sega Talk, we travel to the year 2025, where Sega only holds 3% of the video game market, and it's up to you to save them. Get your Japanese Duolingo ready. We are talking all things Sega Gaga. SegaBits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what's up? Hello and welcome to Sega Talk. I'm your host, George, and like always, with me is Barry. Is that your is that your intro to this episode? This is like a Sega Geek Fest right here, with because we're gonna be covering a little game called Sega Gaga, a simulation RPG by Hitmaker. Um, but first, before we talk about it, you want to plug in our Patreon? Just plug it right in. Plug it. Plug it in like a like a classic console, right? Um, yeah. So this uh, this episode's a Patreon. Pick. If you support us on Patreon at a certain tier, you get to tell us what we talk about on this show. Uh, the entire year has basically been picks, and right. this one is no exception. Um, yeah, do, I mean, what what else do I say? I know the picker, um, his name is Michael S., but I don't see his memories. Typically, we'll read his memories at the top of the show, mm. but... Um, Unless I'm missing something, I don't believe he submitted memories. Um, yeah, <laughs> anticlimactic always, there. Very anti. <laughs> I'm like waiting for the memories to be read. I mean, this is a game that I know, I know. Has a who lot has of memories? memories? We don't have memories, right? We were in Jap- Japan, right? But overall, I mean, okay. So I can't really get into the game for people that have never heard of this game. I'm sure there's some younger fans out there that don't even know what we're talking about. Sega Gaga is a simulation RPG developed by Hitmaker and came out on the Dreamcast back in 2001, uh, only in Japan. Uh, The title has gained a Sega fan cult following due to the game allowing you to work at Sega, having a bunch of cameos, and basically kind of taking a really like goofy stance on the actual situation that sega was facing at the time which was the demise of the dreamcast and very like i read on hardcore gamer 101 there's even a scene where uh what's her name from uh, fantasy star 2 nay nai or whatever they call her right the girl with the purple hair mm-hmm. she makes fun of her u.s box art like only only in this game would a character reference box art that fans hate right so I right. think it's hilarious. So Barry, what is your overall yeah. history with Sega Gaga? And when was the first time you ever heard of this Japanese only game? Um, well, I, I guess it was probably in the official Dreamcast magazine. I'm fairly sure they were covering this as it was like being announced. Um, as you mentioned, the game um, 2001, it came out specifically... I think end of March, and right. in January of that year, Sega announced that they were leaving the console business, mm. 
and they they gave March 2001 as the date the Dreamcast was going to get the axe. So it's kind of it's a very fitting like it's not the final Dreamcast game to ever release. That one was um Puyo Puyo Fever, I think which so. was actually years later, like 2007, I think. Something, like crazy. something crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like 2004, 2005. Um but this one it's it's a strange game just as I was reading about it like oh it's like a a a Sega RPG, but it's not Sega. It's like a company that's basically Sega. Um, but what's so strange is that the the game is like very doom and gloom, like about Sega, like losing market share and right. like going under and you're trying to save it. And it's, I don't know, to me, the game has always felt like Sega themselves seeing the writing on the wall and the staff like, having the company live on into the future in a virtual setting. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so in the real world, this company is, you know, we're leaving the console business. Who knows if Sega will be around in five, ten years? Like, they didn't know. It could have been absorbed into some other company. Um, And so I just, I really got the vibe that, like, the people making this game felt like this could be their legacy. Like, this could be it. Yeah. For Sega. For sure. <laughs> you know? Um, but my, my experience with it, like, I I read about it a little bit. I'd look up videos online. And then, like, actually, this was one of my very early imports. So I do have the game. Nice. Um, it's, it's unplayable. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but, and, and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll say more later. Because right. that's basically all my... All my memories. Right. Uh, My memories mostly for this game. um, I don't recall ever hearing about the game in the magazine. I'm sure it was there. But I felt like it was probably just a blurb, you know, when they had those little Japanese blurbs. Because I go sometimes back to the Dreamcast magazines. And I started looking through them. And I'm like, wait, this game was in here? What? And then I would look. I'm like, wait, this canceled game got covered? Covered? So there's stuff that you miss sometimes, and this is definitely one of those games that I missed. Um, I would have right. been super into it if I, when I was younger because obviously it's Sega fan service. I will say that most of my history with it is later on online with the uh, translation projects and following those, hoping to finally be able to play it in English. Which, uh, it's been like, I think a 15-year wait for some of these patches because I looked it up and... Um, one of the earliest ones was about like Sirius was in like 2006, so we're getting we're getting wow. really close to a 20 year mark there. In 2026, a year after the ga- the game setting, we'll have a 20 year anniversary of trying to get the game translated. I I did have something I wanted to uh, say, so I saw this old interview with the guy that created the game, which we'll get into the development about it right now, but. He had a name for Sega fans that he, it seems like he doesn't really like hardcore Sega fans. Um, He said, he calls them Sega Shinjas, spelled S-H-I-N-G-A-S. I've never heard Hmm. this before, so I guess in Japan they call Sega fanatics that that always back up the company as Sega Shinjas. So just in case you need hmm. an, a, another name for uh, a troll account, Sega Shinjas might be it for you guys if you guys want to troll on Twitter. Um, but yeah, let's get uh, let's get into the develop. Oh, first 
we can't talk about the development without talking about the story. So let this is the story of the game. In the year 2025, Sega is in crisis with only 3% share of the market. Its main competitor, Dogma, a.k.a. Sony, <laughs> has beaten everyone but Sega from the industry and holds 97% of the market. Oof. To combat this, Sega creates the project Sega Gaga in a tank to save the company and employ two teenagers. Taro Sega, this guy was literally named Sega, so you know he was he was born for this. And Ye- Yeo Hinata to help them reach the top of the market. Taro Sega must reunite the development teams, unifying the warring fractions of the company and get them to produce the game that will capture the hearts and minds of the people. Together with the help of various characters, Taro Sega will do his very best to tip the scales in favor of Sega. So, if this game did make it, you know, its ways to overseas during the Dreamcast's reign of terror, uh, would you, would this be a game you'd, like, geek out about? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. Same here. I mean, yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't I mean, know. Yeah, I mean, you, it's it's a game made for us, right? And we never got to play it. Exactly which sucks, especially considering how. Um, I don't know. Like it's. I was gonna say this. I was gonna talk about this in the end of the episode, but we might as well talk about it. But like, part of the experience also is playing it during the time when Sega was at this console war, like. I don't know if this game would hit the same for a kid that was born, like, in 2002, right? And he's, like, almost 20 today, right? And right. he plays his game. I don't think he's going to understand the context and the feelings that, like... I, I'm sounding like, oh, you had to be there to experience it. But, like, there was a weird, like, fan base. Like, Dreamcast owners didn't just, like, oh, yeah, I have a Dreamcast and I play it online. Most of them were, like, hardcore into the success of the console and really wanted a console to succeed because they loved the online, they loved the graphics, right. they loved how cute and small the white box was. And this basically took that feeling and made it into a video game, but as a developer's point of view, in a way. So, uh, I don't know, what what's your thoughts about that aspect of it? Like, do you think it could be replicated, the feeling of this game, or you think it's just, I don't know. Do you, you, it can still work, like making a game about uh, making a Sega console? Yeah, I mean, I, I honest, I think you could, you could make another one of these, and it could speak to the people who want a Dreamcast too. You know what I mean? Like, you could make, and I, I feel like there's enough people at Sega, especially with the 60th anniversary and with um. You know, you watch those streams that they do for the Mega Drive Mini and all that, and they are like hardcore Sega history geeks. Mm. Like, you watch those streams and they're like, look, when you turn off the the Mega Drive Mini or the Genesis Mini 2, it shows the old building. Like, they have that nostalgia. And I think, I mean, I, I think you could definitely, you could make another one of these, and I think it might speak to modern day Japanese and Western Sega fans. Mm. Um, and it might almost like kind of scratch that itch and may- maybe make some people calm down about asking for a new console. You know uh, what I mean? Like, 
I don't know. Like you, you see that sometimes with with companies like Disney, where people are like, "Make this movie," and then instead they like put a, a joke in like another movie referencing that, and people are like, "Okay, well they referenced it. That's I that's don't know. good enough for me. <laughs> that's that's good enough for me." Yeah. Right. So let's get a little bit into the development. Uh, this game was uh, created by Tetsuo Okano, and uh, I have his uh, you know his history of games right here. So before. Uh, creating this game, he did minor arcade titles. So he did a Dragon Ball VRVS game for the System 32 in 93. I've literally never heard of mm-hmm. this game. Um, he did Rail, Rail Chase 2 on the Model 2. And then he did Dirt Devils on the Model 3. So he did. Oh, wow. So his history is a few arcade games. And then he got to create, I guess, his dream game in a way. Um, so he says that when he first brought the concept to the management of Sega, they thought it was a joke and a potential risk to the company's image. A second attempt at acquiring funding caught the attention, attention of Hasso Aguchi, who is basically like if you put Yuji Naka and Yuzuzuki, uh, back, this guy's a third, right? He made crazy taxi. He, uh, basically is very into the business of Sega right now. He does Mars's Planet Studios or whatever, the CGI company for Sega. And he does um, like casino stuff. So he's, a, he's, he's heading the casino arm of Sega. So he's all into business and making money, I guess, because Crazy Taxi made crazy Who money. Um, right, right. So with his blessing, they granted the development budget uh, for the game, which is a very low budget. We'll talk about that right now, but... Do you think the do you uh, the concept itself is very humorous, uh, which is appealing to fans? Do you think Japanese companies sometimes takes their image way too serious? Um, I I actually do think that because I I feel like we look at a lot of other Japanese developers and and companies out there, and they I don't I don't know I feel like Sega is very self deprecating. I mean, you saw that where. They went from Sega to Sanchiro, who was like this manly man giving people headlocks, right. to this poor sap who was a real person who was crying and getting beaten up by children. But I think that also goes with a cultural thing where, like, it's humility to the point of like ridiculousness. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I I don't know. There's almost something humble about it that then makes it endearing and like strong. You know, like there's uh, there's something stronger in like, you know, accepting how terrible things are and trying your best than being like, we are the best. We will make the best games. I guess um, there is something. I don't know. Like you, you look at um, Kamiya uh, with Platinum Games and I don't get that from them. You know, they never really go, all right, we've made some stinkers. Wait. This one's going to be good, guys. And you know what I mean? I don't know. If you say He's, anything like that. He blocked. Well, he blocked us. Right, he did. Just and we didn't even talk to them. We, I clicked the heart button on a post, and he was like, "Nope, block." And I don't know, like. <laughs> so yeah, one of the things yeah. that I think of when people take their image too seriously is kind of like Sonic Team. They're like, "We made these rules, and that's how it is." And it's like, bro, you're making a game of a blue hedgehog. Like, just give the fans what they want. Stop pretending that you wrote the Constitution. Like this isn't the this isn't something 
so big where they're like, we can't put Mighty and Ray in Modern. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, bro, you're making a game of a blue hedgehog chill. You could do it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's uh, so yeah. sometimes they do take it too seriously. I think you can have fun with your games and your franchises yeah. and kind of goof on them. I think it's fine. I, I think Marvel has shown that people will put a lot of money into it. Like Thor literally went from like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's Shakespeare superhero movies to uh, this guy's fat. Isn't that funny? So, For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I actually, I have some good news. Mm. I found Michael's memory. So I should read it now before we get right. too deep into development. Um, so Michael was our Patreon picker. This is what he said. He said, I remember reading about this in a magazine when it came out. The, the idea was and still is ridiculous. Sega was leaving the hardware business. And they made this game about them losing to Sony, the enemy corporation in the game, which is such a ballsy and excellent way to go out. It's something that would never be done today along with many of the unique Dreamcast games. I've always wanted to play this game. Maybe someday it will be translated. Thanks for doing this video. So, sorry to get to you a little later, but Patreon is terribly designed, but it's a wonderful way to support us. So. It is a wonderful... Yeah, to support us. I uh, hope they fix stuff like that. It is a terrible site. It's yeah. crazy. But It's like three comments, and then it's like collapses it down to hide one of them. Right. And then it says, view all comments, and then it shows three. Like... Dude, I can look at three comments. It's okay. You, yeah, you'll be anyway. able to read all that. It's okay. We can survive. <laughs> um, we can. So he said that it came out in 2001 during the end of the life cycle, but the game actually took two years to develop, and it was kept secret until near release. No one knew about the game. By this point, Sega's management were, more, were willing to try anything that could save the company from further losses, and so the game was released on March... Uh, 2001 N nevertheless sega gaga's release was kept very low key for the first two months it was only available via sega's sega direct service which was their online japanese store and it's literally why we still had games for the dreamcast in 2005 was because they used to sell them directly on their website um right Strong online sales caused the game to be shipped to stores before receiving a Dorokor, which is like a budget version, version re-release. Here in America, they were called the Sega All-Stars, I think. Uh, That's two, right. Yeah, yeah. Two years later. So with how crazy Sega went during the Dreamcast with advertisement, are you surprised that this not only didn't make it outside of Japan, but was also only sold on their website to start with? It... It surprises me, yeah, but I think that website was insanely popular. It was a really, I mean, y y you collect a little bit, Dreamcast, right, right. right? And you see that time and time again. It'll say, I used to be so confused. It'd be like, Drycast exclusive or whatever the, the service was called. I'm yeah. like, what the hell is this thing? Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were there was tchotchkes, merch, box sets, bundles, and um, to be honest, it, it lives on with the Ebb 10 Sega store, mm. which I I know has been around for a long time, but I discovered that a few years ago and I love it. It's like it's there's so many great pieces of merch there. They're accessible through um, proxy services. They're cheap. Like I got like cool little like, you know, um, uh, like a, a Sega... Um, you, you've seen that. You touch it, it's the logo, and it like makes all these sounds. 
it was like 10 bucks. Like, it, there's all these fun little things like that coin bank. And right now, Sonic Frontiers has all these cool box sets. So it's not crazy to me to think that, you know, they could get away with doing an exclusive on there. Especially something like this. Because if I remember, and I'm sure we'll get into it, they had some really expensive box sets for this game. Ooh, I don't think um, I, I actually Even that. at the time. But they did have different releases. One that was a box I did see. I did put it in the notes, yeah. but I know there's different There reasons. was, yeah, there was, um, so the game came in the DVD style case. Mm, I do see And that. it came, it came with uh, a t-shirt and a pin box, like of all these Sega logo pins. You can get the pin box alone, I think, for about 90 to 100 bucks now. There was also a VMU that said 8-bit on I, it. I and do it have that like one. like a Genesis. I do have that one in the notes, yeah. yeah. And I think that one was either sold alone. I think it was sold alone. But this one, I believe, is the retail release that I'm holding. Yeah. Um, and this one, I actually did a little, because I don't have many memories of this game. I actually purchased this off a guy on Racket Boy, uh, August 11th, 2009. Can you guess how much I paid for it? Ten bucks. 35 Okay. Which isn't bad. No, it's not bad. Um, he threw in a free Game Shark. Nice. Uh, you know, like Game Shark disc, which is probably expensive now too. But ah, man, if you ever, if you were an old forum user, go back and look at your DMs and look at the deals you used to get. It's insane, right? It's like it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, trust me, I bought some crazy stuff. I remember back in the day when I first got on the internet, there was people selling like the rarest things I've ever seen for the Dreamcast, like Japanese stuff, like. I remember one guy was trying to say that he had the bike and he wanted to sell it, that Dreamcast bike they, they put online. And I'm like, man, yeah. I would have killed myself. I mean, I would have been like, Phew. I mean, I, the envy of Sega fans for if I had that. This guy sold me, in 2009, a different guy on, on Racket Boy sold me Panzer Dragoon and Panzer Dragoon's Y um, boxed. Can you guess how much the total was? 35 bucks. 20 bucks. <laughs> Right, you came up on that. That's 2009. like 2009. That's like quad more than that. It's value, and it's going to continue going up too because Panzer Dragoon continues Damn. to get that legendary status. Um, I will say, insane. Sega Direct and releasing it only online was very like this is 2001. Like we literally did an episode about I think Final Showdown or something. We talked about how. It only had an online release in 2011, and then we're like, yeah, most people weren't downloading games on in 2011 compared to today. This was like in 2001, right. and they were like, yeah, we're only selling it online. Like that's how future focused Sega was, and the fact, like you said, they, Sega Direct had a bunch of crazy cool things that you could buy. It just really mm -hmm. made them the forefront in this like selling direct to consumers, which I think I'm surprised. Companies like Nintendo haven't taken more of advantage of, like just selling the game directly to consumers and cutting out the middlemen, and or selling for merch. sure. And I mean, it was popular, but there's also some rarities. Like I think um, Skies of Arcadia had a like All Stars version there, mm. and it's so rare. I don't think it's ever been documented. It wow. exists, but there's no photos of it. Hmm, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Not weird. Yeah. All right. Um, so the the game features a number. I think this is why it's the most popular. But yeah, Sega franchises referencing all the way back to the SG one thousand, 
Although there were sev several legal challenges during production. Here's the creator himself, Okanu, talking about the what was cut. After my first presentation to Sega management, I had a ton of changes on my hands, almost 300 issues to fix. I tried to narrow it down to f those fixes to about 100. So you could think of the version that went to consumers as the light version of the original one. For example, one big fix was the opening where I wanted to feature Saturn-era Sega marketing character Segaton Sanshiro, but because of copyright issues, we could not secure that. The ending had to be changed as well because we used the character that was a property of a magazine here in Japan. I had to change the uh, I had to change the character to the get bait bass fish. Uh, oh yes, and I also had to change the red Ferrari, which symbolizes AM2 to well, the red thing that I could uh, I could come up with was a shrimp. In Japanese, car is <laughs> kuruma which is very popular shrimp, or ebai, which is uh, we eat here in Japan, which is named, I don't know, I can't even say these Japanese words, so it's a play on words, but anyway, so no Outrun because Ferrari license, no Segaton Sanshiro because maybe he didn't want his likeness in the game, so right. as we know from past Sega Talk episodes, there are a lot of legal gray areas when it comes to Sega games, do you think uh, using Sega, I mean, what, you think that like Sega Don Sanshiro should have been a okay, right? Yeah, that's surprising. I mean, I I guess likeness, right? So, yeah, yeah. I wonder how that worked with like Project Egg Zone too, or whatever. Or yeah, I think that's the one he was in, right? Well, he was in um yeah he was in that, and he was also in um, Rent a Hero. Right. That's the maybe they were paying him too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. They were like we. We can't keep paying this guy for cameos, you know. Like Rent a Hero got him. Mm. Find something. That's else. another low quality. I mean, low budget RPG from Sega that didn't come out of the U.S. too. So weird, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some the marketing for this game. So the game reportedly had a one hundredth. This is what this is how he pitched it. By the way, I read in the interview. He says it was a. It was going to be 100 the budget of Shimu and sell 100 times more copies. That was his goal when he pitched it to Sega as a low-budget RPG. Toei Animation also gave Okano a discount on animated footage for the title. Okano also had the mark to market the game himself with a budget of roughly 200 USD, half of which was sp wow. half of which he spent on a wrestling mask to hide his identity, which we have a picture of right here. Uh, Okano set up four signing locations in Akihara, Akihara, and reward. Akihaba. Yeah, there you go. Because it has yeah. a B. Yeah. Um, Sega fans, which was, were uh, so only four P. Oh, four fans showed up. Is that what it, th this thing says? And he, uh, so he was assisted. Uh, he basically made a full spread newspaper article uh, based on his shenanigans with the mask to write about the game. Wow. So. For a budget of 200 USD, he got featured in a double spread newspaper. Will you call that successful marketing? <laughs> like, uh, it's interesting, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Can you imagine you give somebody, uh, here's $200, go market your game, and he's like, comes back with a mask and he's covering his face? Like, <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. I think it's hilarious marketing. It's almost like. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm ashamed of making this game, but it's like. 
are you? I mean, I don't know. It's weird. That, I, I used to think it's hilarious. I've never heard anyone. This is something like like Eno would do, right? With D or something. He would be like, oh, I'm just going to wear a mask and uh, I'm ashamed of this game. Yeah, you see that. I feel like, too, with um, Mitsuyoshi doing a lot of the marketing for, like, the mini minis and micros. Mm. Um, like, he'll just appear and do, like, singing at a lounge. <laughs> you know, like, it's just very strange, like... They could hire a marketing department, but no, let's get the guy from our sound team to like host this and and do events at stores. So I guess it's it's still living on, but yeah, it's it's quirky, absolutely. So this so Sega had this like internet provider. They had all these weird ways of getting games to consumers, but it kind of did feel like Sega Gaga just basically gave this guy two hundred dollars and it's like release your game because like. I don't know, like, I, I, he literally just went and did four signings, and the, that's all the marketing that I've seen. There was no commercials, no ads, no, like, send people flyers, no, like, tapes. Remember when they used to send tapes with gameplay footage? None of that. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of weird because, like, Sega had a fan base kind of like, I don't know how to even say it, like, they had us with magazines. They had us with those discs. They had us on the internet homepage. Do you think this game even had an internet homepage ad for Japan? Did it? I don't know. I, don't... I, I actually don't know because, I mean, I never used the Japanese internet. I'm just wondering, like, do you think it was just yeah, 200 I mean, or... I'm sure anything internal on their website, they didn't have to, you know put up to that sort it was probably all external advertising so yeah there probably was it was like advertised on the the shop and on the sega website but you're not going to go to a store and see anything for it really Mm. and i mean you know thinking about that the um the game gear micro was not sold in stores that was an online exclusive now that i think about it that's another way um yeah, it was only sold from, uh, I think, Amazon, Ebton, like f- four or five retailers. So it's not an online exclusive, but the uh, Sega Ebton shop did have exclusive box sets and exclusive hardware. Um, there was a clear one with no like innards just for looks. Mm. So yeah, I, I guess that's like the closest equivalent to now where... I, I think you wouldn't see ads for the micro in stores. It was only on Sega's website. You know, I do think it's weird. I do think that 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 micro got screwed up. I think they had a bigger plans for it, but I think COVID or whatever screwed it up. I mean, they had an advertisement with Sega. Possibly, like they were literally going to do. It looked like they were going to do a series of commercials with his son, and then they just stopped randomly. Like either that or maybe Sega's like, let's pull back on this. I don't know if it's going to sell well. They probably pulled back, but it was interesting right. at first, but yeah. This one, it seemed like it was way less because, like, at least they had the Segaton Sanshiro. Segaton wasn't even in this game, so, yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk about the gameplay of the game. The So, the game is classified, obviously, as a simulation RPG game. Taru Sega must recruit skilled developers while keeping below budget in order to create maximum profit. To do this, he will hurl insults at developers until their sprites are broken and are willing to negotiate a lower salary and working conditions. 
Failing to defeat the enemy will result in Taro losing a month of development time, which will become crucial as the game progresses. Once the developer is recruited, they can be placed in, into one of the four development group positions, director, designer, planner, or programmer. Depending on how the player places these uh, teams, they can either create a few fantastic games that take longer to produce with higher budgets that will hopefully return large profits, or they can turn out many shovelware titles uh, in hopes of making some quick cash to keep Sega afloat. Um, the game also has a three-year development cycle, so after three years the game is over. So you have to pick your your decisions, I guess, accurately. <laughs> uh, so what is, yeah, yeah. what is your opinion on this simulation RPG elements the game use? Does this kind of remind you of like a mobile game, like one of those tap mobile games where you have to wait for your uh, bars to go up? <laughs> it does quite a bit. I think this game would have actually done really well on mobile. I know people aren't big fans of mobile games right. like this, but um, I mean, if you were if you were to do one that would get me to play it, it would probably be like a Sega History game. Mm. Um, yeah, but you also kind of see that in uh, the Yakuza games with the um, hostess uh, management right, system right. Um, in the real estate. So it, it very much has like a Yakuza minigame vibe to it, for sure. Imagine they brought back Sega Gaga, but only as a minigame in uh, Yakuza with a, an actual story. <laughs> That'd be sick. I think it would be cool. That would be funny. But uh, gameplay-wise, I think the game is pretty basic. I think... It has good ideas, but they're kind of executed for what I read, very like badly, like rushed. But I, th I think the idea of just having all the Sega characters in the game and running Sega is just the novelty enough is enough to sell it on us. I do think it's funny that because when I read the interview, he said something I forgot what it was about in the interview. It was like they talked about how um, he was talking about how people saw the game as a Pro, uh, pro Sega, but he was saying it was actually pro developers, and he was kind of telling you how it's like to work at Sega. And the way you when you read this, like you insult people to take lower pay. It's like, well, okay, now I can see why Sega had a problem with this game. It's like, mm, you're saying that we have bad working conditions at Sega. Hmm, I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's a good thing, right? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of. Um company commentary going on in this game right uh yeah i'm sure a lot of stuff got by upper management too just because of how low budget this was i'm sure they didn't check the whole game right and they <laughs> said oh i mean i guess it is a made-up game i mean technically there is no dogma um right so one of the i mean we talked about this the whole time the sega fan service in this game here's a little excerpt from uh, hardcore gaming 101 but most of the joy comes from the incredible amounts of Sega fan service found throughout the game. One room has Big Wing from uh, Fantasy Zone, which costs 100G, if uh, it reminds you. The shop uses the same song from Fantasy Zone. When the American executive takes over the studio, he hires goons wearing suits straight out of ESWAT. One of the pieces of armor mm. is Ryu Hazuki's leather jacket. There's a mini game. That involves kicking Dreamcast boxes in a truck in a truck that's heavily remnants of the old arcade game Pingo. Um, they even play a variation of its theme music. You even meet the old white rabbit, Professor Asobin. 
Is that how you say his name? Mm. And mm-hmm. who has been a Sega spokesperson since the Mark III slash Master System days. And here's a fun note. Uh, Sega Gaga is the only time Professor Asobin actually makes a cameo in a video game since in the early 80s he was just on those uh, manuals in Japan. So That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, the most popular scene, which I'll let you do the voice acting on this. Uh, oh. Basically, the most popular scene in the game that became a meme has been uploaded by... Uh, game Informer. They literally edited the English thing. I'll start it on the sunset. Out yeah, six, six seconds in. Uh, one. Okay. Two. Three. Denjo,お店いいんですか？あ、そう。I I I thought I'd find you here. Oh, it's Taro. Says boss, did you close the store early? And Alex Kid says, "Yeah. Besides, tomorrow's just inventory. Mind if I have a seat?" Taro says, "Sure, go ahead." Taro says, "You know, I came to Tokyo because I wanted to make games. When I was at my previous job, dot dot dot, <laughs> I wanted to make a good game so bad." To the point of ignoring everything else, but in the end, I was just working for myself. I wasn't thinking at all about the people with which I was making the game or the users who would play it. It's beautiful. But I do love games. Yeah, very beautiful. It's kind of sad, really. At this point, I can't really go back to my hometown. Ha ha ha! Man, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> Alex says it was the same for me. Taro says it was. Alex says, you know, I was in a game or two once. Ever heard of Alex Kid? Nope. Nope. What? That was you? Says Taro. Yeah. Who else? Alex says, well, a long time ago. Taro says, oh, I love those games. Go, go, Alex Kid. Was that ever a phrase? I'm sure it was like a song or something. And Alex goes, yeah, that's it. I debuted as Sega's mascot and went head-to-head against Nintendo's Mario, but they star out the eyes. Right, of course. Yeah. Look at that. But it didn't work out in the end. I wonder why. For the longest time after that, I beat myself up about it, thinking about why it turned out the way it did. I spent a lot of time on this riverbank, staring at the sunset, just oh. like you are now. That's sad. Taro says, really? Alex, you see, I'm a video game character, so as long as there's no one to control me, I can't do anything but just stand here, stopped. Isn't that sad? I've remained stopped, waiting for the next stage to come. Yeah, it is sad. Just waiting the whole time until I was to be called back into the development studio. But you, you're different. We can move forward on your own if you want to. Right now, you're just stopped here, and that's because you've chosen to stop here. Give me a positive message to everyone out there. You can move forward rather than just wasting away. How about giving it one more shot? 
Taro, but, but I'm not... I can't go back to Sega. Alex, you think I'm getting older to just look cool? Come on, leave it to me. He looks the same as he did in the 80s. Yeah, he hasn't aged. I think that's it. Uh-oh. Oh, at this point, Alex takes Taro to see an old associate of his at a manager of the R&D. Oh, the show. guy knows Taro. That's enough. I, 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 basically, yeah, yeah. you get the gist. They reference the idea that Alex Kidd is no longer the main... He's a fallen star, technically. And they and they basically just mention it. And I think Sega fans had uh, uh, jokes about Alex Kidd's misfortunes. And I think it's funny that they basically just said, yeah, we'll, we'll use that as a joke. We don't care. It's all good. Right. Yeah, and it's very... The game's very Roger Rabbit in that sense. Right, which I love. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah, where the video game characters are real people that interact with the humans. So, But they appear in the development studio to be in the game. Right, <laughs> It's right. very weird. I, I would love, like, if they ever did a story for one of these all-star games, right? Like, the racing. That they just kind of make yeah. comments and, like poke fun at the legacy of the characters like Alex Kidd is obviously he would be a, a grocery bagger and the, <laughs> you know what I mean and then it's like oh but he's still a racing anyway doesn't matter he's the that's what I would love to see like poking fun that other people think Sonic comes off as a cocky person which he really is um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think it's funny I, I, I hope they do more of that in the future uh, but I don't think so I think we'll just be seeing you know, the portrayal that they do in All-Stars, which is they're, these characters, they're together and they're racing. They're not going to be breaking the fourth wall and going, hey, guys. Because if you think about it, it really is for us. Like, how many people know about the history of Alex Kidd, right? Not many. I mean, most people forgot about him. Right. So, That's yeah. true. <laughs> um, so, if you're going to buy a version of Sega Gaga, you probably want the first print run since it has very, many of the parody game covers with terrible puns. Um, e uh, but, but even if you have the first copy of the game, you can't just look at these parody covers. They're hidden. You're going to have to get a hacked save file. And so, it's technically unreleased content. Uh, I do want to look through the game covers, and uh, I know most of these already because I've seen them, but I wanted to see if you guess what they're parodying. So, the first one here. Oh, okay. Let's check I don't check know if you have up. them up. I don't have pictures, so. Oh, you didn't download? Explain oh, I didn't, ex I didn't send them to you? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I thought I did, but let me see. Well, without the pictures, you really can't do anything, so let me send them real quick. But yeah, you could imagine them, but they won't be the same. Um, let me see if I can get the link. So, but yeah, anyway, what what would your your like dream um, story like? Can you even do a story in a crossover like Sega All Stars? That's something that I talk to people online about, and they are like, not really, because anything comes off as cheesy, right? When you do those, like, I mean, you can. Uh, Project Cross Zone did it, where it was just like characters suddenly appearing together um the archie sonic did it with uh mega man remember that mm -hmm. um where it was capcom and sega properties like coming together and it was just portals opening mm. so i i think they could definitely get away with that um the third picture i don't know if cinematically it will ever happen 
though. You know what I mean? Right. No. <laughs> because uh, I don't know. Like I, I know people with Mar- the Mario movie are like, oh, we're going to get a Smash Brothers movie, and it's like that's not going to happen. It could. It's I mean, I don't not, know. Not... Can, even if they make a Smash Bros. movie, is it going to have Bayonetta, a Sega character, Sonic, Pac-Man? What would it, but what would the plot be? There would be no plot. Right. You know what I mean? It would just be characters fighting. Like, that's not interesting. They would have to, like... Can that's you imagine funny. if they try to do a Marvel Universe thing where they have an in-game, but it's, like, all the movies? Like, that's too much. It's too much. Like, what Marvel did is almost impossible to replicate. I think that's what studios need to figure out. Like... They took 10 years to do this. Nobody's ever done something like that. It's like trying to replicate Lord of the Rings. No, it's not. They they it was right. it, it was a moment in history um, that you can't replicate. Even the show that they released, they have a big budget right. and everything, but the hype behind it is not the same as the movies and never I see be. the parodies now. Okay. I see. So them. you see the first one, right? Third one? Yeah, yeah. Caught a cold. This is that uh, Klonoa. Yeah, there you right? go. You got it. Yeah, this one is that Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. This is the it's uh, based on the Japanese cover. It has pickles as feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Picklemon. Yeah. Oh, this one. It's the Lion King. Right. Yeah. He's just dropping them. Notice he's well, kicking them off the the ledge. <laughs> Olane King. That's really weird. I've got. Oh, what is this one? It actually looks familiar. Okame Boost? What is that? Wait, is that what you got? Uh, mine's different, I think. Let me see. God, it didn't even upload them in order. Mine's uh, mine's Ace Wombat, too? <laughs> Do you see that one? I don't, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then they have uh, Garu, Mark of the Wolves, but he's like smoking cigarettes and has a sailor hat. Some of these have puns in them that we can read because of Japanese. I see that. Sega yeah, Lolly, yeah, yeah. which is little girls running instead of Sega Rally, and even has Sega Gaga Sports logo. I, I love this. That's cute. Uh, basically a Metal Gear Solid with crabs. Uh, so, <laughs> Dakin X, which is Makin X, uh, the Dreamcast game. Uh, this is a weird one because like I've never heard anyone talk about this game. I have game. that game. Right, I've never heard anyone talk yeah. about the game, but they parried it. The game, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mortal Wombat. It's an Atlas game, right? Yep. Yeah. Mortal Wombat, which is obviously I Mortal Kombat. Uh, I love that fact that they have like all this Wombat stuff. So uh, there's another one with a, a goat thing. Uh, this is Wizardry. It's like a US game, so it's weird. They have this anime huh. girl that's pixelated. I think this is making fun of those like, what do they call those? Uh, like picture games or whatever for the Saturn, those dating sims. Kind of. It also looks like porn being downloaded, but right. not fully processing. And then the next one is just the actual image that has a bunch of pigeons and an anime girl wearing a pigeon hat. Um, I think it's funny. Okay. I think they're trying to make fun of Sakura Wars, but I might be wrong here. Uh, Darayi Rama, which is like, uh, what's that game called? It's like the shoot 'em up game. I forgot. But yeah. Uh, Darius. Darius, right? there you go. That's the game, yeah. Lolly X, which is this. I don't know what game this is. It's one of those, like. I think I've played it before. You Oh, Rally. Yeah. Rally X. Right. The one, is that the one you, like, leave a, a smoke trail and then w- when the bad guy goes behind it, they, like, slow down? I'm pretty sure, yeah. All right. Uh, this is Yees, the girl with the uh, thing. I don't know what the pun is because we don't know Japanese, so. And then this one with the censored food. 
It has a big E that's red. This I always thought maybe D, but I'm not sure. Oh, looks like a, a wiener. Right, <laughs> censored. I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> uh, and then Valkyria Profile, which this game actually just made a comeback recently. Um, they just released a new one recently. It was weird. I don't know what this game is. It looks like uh, Armored Core or something. The one with the faces on the uh, robot. And then they have a Lupin. Oh, okay. They have a yeah. Lupin the Third, one, which is weird. It's another movie. Mega Man. Oh, I love this one. Spoon, but it's a dog. Like uh, it's Spawn, but it's like. Oh. I love that one. The Dragon Ball parody one is nice too. He's like instead of writing the Nimbus, he's writing a let a check. It looks like for a hundred yen. Uh huh. Uh, oh, Final Pharmacy 8. This one's probably the one that made the most rounds. And they're wearing COVID masks way back in 2001 in, on the cover. Nice. And yeah. that's it. Those are all the parody ones they did. That's great. I, they should have They should have kept them in the game, in my opinion, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's terrible, terrible. Oh, that's funny. So, ever since I followed the online Sega community, since the start, the idea of a Sega, Sega Gaga translation patch was just around the corner. So I did look into it a bit, and the translation was started by an online group of translators going by Delta Head Translation Group. But it seemed that the developers of Sega Gaga decided to go solo translating the project by themselves with like a few people in 2011-ish. Uh, but they did do the Sega, Sega Gaga translation blog, which you could look online. And that was a... Uh, so they started posting on that blog back in August of 2006, which is the same time I've heard about them because they did a big interview with GameSet Watch. Um, there was also a really good Racket Boy interview in 2011. So that's how far they spanned before updates. Where they talk about their hurdles, and from what I gather, actually getting the English text into the game is the real problem amongst the puns and the Japanese-specific jokes. It also has that, uh, apparently the English characters in the game are double the width per letter of the Japanese. So you would have to like alter the game to squeeze it all in. So you would literally have to cut the dialogue in half, which in my opinion yeah. is literally impossible for an rpg to get a game to be directly translated with less uh letters right like half the words you can't it's impossible right yeah so as far as updates the last big updates about the project came all the way back in 2013 with the last post saying they were doing they were going to have an interview with a website that shall not be named and another post that's saying Hello, world. Almost two years have passed since the last post here. How time <laughs> flies. This is 2013. I've had a, ty uh, I don't even know what that word, tirage ty ty of projects over the last few years based on their likelihood mm -hmm. of comp completion. <laughs> I've got enough invested in Sega Gaga's translation that I want to see it through. Yet, I've also had to focus on other projects that require more immediate attention. On that point, please look forward to the soon-to-be-released iOS game, Republic Q. I don't know how you say it. From Camouflage Studios. Uh, because of other commitments, then uh, Sega Gaga has to take a back seat once more. 
So I wonder if he actually released that game. You think so for the iOS? Hard to say. Yeah, I don't know. I've never I've never heard of it. I've seen it. What what what's the oh iTunes right? That's where they sell their stuff. Oh, he did actually mm-hmm. release it, and it's free. Well, then he's ready. He is ready. Come on, back in 2013. When did it come out? It looks actually a lot better than I assumed it was going to look. Holy crap. Okay. It doesn't have great ratings, but the graphics are... Oh. So the last update he did for his uh, game was in 2018. So he's been working on his uh, mobile game. Uh, so I'm surprised that, yeah, he releases. Most times when I read updates like this, they never do anything. It's just whatever. So yeah, he definitely yeah. he's definitely not working on this anymore in my opinion. Maybe he is a little here and a little there, but definitely nothing to come out. During the pandemic though, in 2020, uh, a, a user called the one Ross, the the <laughs> and then the number one and then Ross announced the Sega Gaga open source translation project, which she stopped updating literally that same year. So. We haven't had any update for two years on that project. Uh, do you see fans ever completing and releasing the English patch for Sega Gaga? I have hope, but I personally, I don't see it happening. I could count on two hands projects that have we've gotten super hyped about. Mm. Um, be it a like new Dreamcast game or a translation project, or a fan game. Um, I'll call some out right now, Elysian Shadows. Oh, I never heard of that one. Uh, Is it good? And H- Have no. they even updated? Well, that that dude, he's back on Twitter now, and he's like, he sh- he's like acting like he's still working, but not on the game, but like on this like VMU application. Nobody it's can- like, That's not what you were doing, right? No, no. And then, um, oh my God. what else is there? There's the Big's, Big's Big Fishing Adventure 3, which kind of shocks me because I was work, helping on that game, at least as a voice actor. And it was like coming along. Like there's a playable game there, but I think they really wanted to like go above and beyond. And for me, it's like make, just tell the story like as a visual novel. Right. And throw some games in. Like throw some mini games in. That's all you need because you have the, they have the script, they have the voice acting, they have mini games. They don't have the whole game, but it's just, I don't know. But in this case, they can't cut corners. They've got to translate the whole thing to make it playable. And that's, that's the big issue, I think. Um, so so the I, cr- I think the best way to go about this is to just have someone play through the game and translate the video so we can at least watch it and get the jokes. Mm. Um, I also think someone could make a stripped-down version of this where it's only the non-English stuff that you could play, almost like a demo disc, you know? Mm. Where it's like just everything stripped out and just the end of the game, basically. Which is playable. Um, What I do, I have VMU tool. Have you ever used that? Uh, I used it in the past, but I, to- I haven't used it like recently. Yeah, so it's it's like an it's an application disc you burn and play on your Dreamcast, and it looks like, you know, like a, a it makes your Dreamcast kind of look like a PC or something because there's like backgrounds that you can set, and then all these file management, and you basically can unlock more space in your VMUs. But the big thing is, is it comes preloaded, or at least you can preload it as you load up the create the disc with all of the uh, 
booyaka.com. And um, remember Booyaka? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the Planet Web or whatever it was, uh, VMU files. And on there is like a 99% complete save file for Sega Gaga, which basically kicks you into the final stage of the game, which is a shoot 'em up where you destroy Sega hardware in a, uh, uh, the, what is it, the R360 or whatever that right. is? The, um, the uh, rideable arcade right, machine. Right. And they make a reference to it, which I'll mention, but I do want to, I do yeah, want to do a yeah. follow up on Elysian Shadows. I did not know that they're still selling the game, by the way. They're still doing reserve. It's insane. I, I think t- next year, I think early next year, we should do uh, Elysian Shadows Sega Talk. I think that would be fun. Now, We're, they have, a, we, they have, we just talk about. I was gonna say they have a w- official Wikipedia entry, and they were supposed to be published by Watermelon Games. Like, I'm surprised that Mm-mm. nothing, nothing, nothing. How much did you lose on that endeavor? Uh, just the regular. <laughs> I just bought the regular one because I didn't know it was gonna come out. Like fifty bucks, right? People in Sega right. Retro, Sonic Retro were like, "Never trust anyone that's never released anything." And if they promise something big, watch out. So I was like, "All right, I better watch out because." These guys were promising to make a development kit to make games on Dreamcast and all this other stuff. And it was like, oh, that seems like a little too much. You're, I'm here for the RPG, you know? Just make the game you promised and that's it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, in this case, though, it's not something to be mad about. It's a free translation project. Mm. It's just, it's taking forever. And... Honestly, I think a lot of people age out of it. Like they get older, they don't want to do this like as a um, as a fun little hobby anymore. And the problem is there aren't younger people joining the project, going, "Oh yeah, Sega Gaga, the Dreamcast game that released before I was born." Right? You know, like I mean, honestly, this game came out um, what what two thousand one so twenty one. 21 years ago, there are people listening to this show who were born after this game came right. out. Right. Drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, they shouldn't be, right? 21? I mean, I guess they could. Like, right. Younger than 21. Okay. Well, I mean, I won't tattletale if you don't tattletale on them. Let them, let them be. <laughs> I won't tell. <laughs> Uncle George. Yeah, like, yeah, you're Uncle George won't tell. alcoholic, then, I mean, what am I to judge, right? Anyway. I'm a, right, right. right. I was going to say Sega Gaga came and went. This is the legacy of it, right? At least for Sega. Most fans, though, still discuss it. And like we ju- just talked about, fans are trying to translate the game. Uh, reviews for the game were also bad, with it getting a 43 out of 100 from Dream Zone. Uh, and Dreamcast Magazine giving it the evil 6.66 out of 10. Though... Mm. Uh, last year, the game celebrated its 20th anniversary, and the game got a Sega Forever birthday post, but that's not really like a big deal in my opinion. But at least Sega is recognizing that the game exists, I think. Uh, do you think it would be the same playing Sega Gaga on anything that isn't a Dreamcast? Because when I was reading the translation guy, he said that he would not want to make it for emulator PC only mod, right? Where it's all translated and they and it fixes the width or whatever. Because in his opinion, right. you have to play with the controller and the VMU about the console that it's about, <laughs> right? I 
I agree to a point, but if the thing holding up everything is the fact that a physical game can't... I mean, think of it this way. Like, the Shenmue 2 English voice actors have never appeared officially on a disc, right? Mm. Now, let's say that the Xbox version did something, or like the amount of dialogue or something is just physically impossible for fans to patch that audio on. Now, I know that's not the case, but let's say it is. If it's if it's impossible or extremely difficult to the point of making the game like unplayable or less than what it could be, then it's impossible, right? right. Like what what's, you know, like I'd prefer it to be on the Dreamcast. Well, that's not working for you. Right. <laughs> you know. We all prefer stuff, right? Um like there are like I mean like there are things that are doable like swapping the audio for Shenmue but there aren't things that are doable like cutting the script in half because the physical text size does not work. Right. Yeah. I do wonder <laughs> if there's like a workaround on that but who knows? I think you would literally have to have someone that literally made Dreamcast games and understands them in a deeper sense than any of us would ever. I feel like I feel like the only people who could do this justice would be M2. Right. Um, the last time we had a game fully translated was Monster Four. Monster World Four, right? right? That, that, and that, that was like nine years ago, like an official translation. Right. It's not. It doesn't happen much, but I feel like this is the game to do it. And unfortunately, I think the 60th anniversary was probably the prime time so but they're busy doing like genesis mini and stuff well not only that the game wasn't like well received uh gameplay wise so i think a lot of people would say or like do we want to waste our time translating this project or is there any other projects that people might want to see translated to so i'm just saying there's so many sega stuff that it's like uh it's kind of hard to pick one um so here is the we talked about this a little bit I, I don't know if it's on here I guess it's not on here I thought I put the picture on the on the file but it's not coming up I was gonna show the mm-hmm. the 8-bit Dreamcast VMU but it's just the VMU that says 8-bit oh it's there it's the um, but it, it's under the parody images uh, it, for some reason it's the for, it doesn't show up on the actual OBS I don't know why maybe it's a format of the of the picture but regardless, oh okay, it, you guys are not missing much. It's just a Mega Drive colored VMU. It's awesome. I wish I had it. Um, it's one of those like one of my favorite things about the Dreamcast was all the alternative uh, stuff that Japan got. It was so awesome. I wish they would do that more. Like it's so heartbreaking seeing Nintendo for the fifth year in a row sell you a bundle of the Switch. There it is. Thank you, Barry. Look at that! It's beautiful Web 2.0. It's beautiful. Look at that technology. I think it's sad that it's sad that Nintendo is still selling the same bundle for the last five years with Mario Kart 8 <laughs> Digital and just the console that's the the regular console. I'm like, man, Sega used to release so many like awesome bundles, awesome like uh, different things on the Dreamcast, and of course it's because they were failing. But I loved it. I don't know. Right. I think it's cr- that's why I'm actually. I'm really jazzed about the um, mini consoles, like the sheer number of exclusive goodies they're doing. Like the style kit, I have it here actually. You know, like nice. they have the um, the virtual racing cart and then the 
32X and then the the Sega CD add-on. And then on top of that, Sonic Frontiers, which releases the day we're recording this, they have an insane amount of bundles online. There's um, an art book, a, a little figure, a plush, um, uh, like a... A, like map where you like set up all the characters it's um it's overwhelming but it's like i think it's the most i've ever seen sega do in the last like five ten years for a single game so i agree i think i love when they we like this. we like our goodies yeah. yeah i do and it's uh remember like even like 10 years ago when sega didn't release these goodies remember when they were just like digital copy regular version and we're like ever since they bought atlas they really got better at uh doing some special stuff at least so oh absolutely so i love it yeah i love it i mean oh yeah it's so fun and you know like yeah like the mega drive mini and and the the game gear micro they kind of scratched that same itch that sega gaga did where it's like you're just like playing with the hardware. You're playing with Sega history. I mean, you see what they're getting away with. They were like, "Oh, when when we had the Mega Drive, we really liked the Cyber Stick. We asked Sharp if they could re-release it, and we made it compatible with five games. <laughs> like it's a hundred and fifty dollar controller right. that they just remember growing up using. And Sharp was like, okay. And so I feel like it's kind of that same spirit that M2 is kind of bringing to Sega, where they're just like, let's do fun, fan service things. And I think this is the right path to take, instead of like a super niche RPG that only Japanese fans might get. Right. Um, to do like physical items that evoke the history of Sega, the real history, not like a parody history. Um, it's it's still exciting. Um, so. Well, that's not the end of Sega Gaga. Um, the game sorta lives on through this. Uh, I'll put the video so people can see it. Lives on through the la- uh, so in the game. There's this last level. Uh, the gameplay in the background is just the Dreamcast version of it, but that level, the Thunder Force inspired shoot 'em up level from the game, was later re-released as a Japanese mobile as a standalone game in June second, two thousand five. And it was called Sega Gaga R720, which is based on that arcade that does the flips. With additional enemies, including a Sega Saturn boss. Uh, So, one of the most popular scenes in the game is the shoot-em-up stage. And it's funny because it's inspired by Thunder Force. And the guy that directed this game would go on to to direct and help release Thunder Force 6. And... Maybe like mm-hmm. five years ago, Sega bought the rights to Thunder Force. So Sega and their developers <laughs> within Sega have this weird affinity for Thunder Force and the developers behind Thunder Force. That it literally got the it, the last fight is literally a Thunder Force level. So I mean that tells you yeah. everything. So when people said why did they buy these IPs and no one cares about, well, people at Sega do care about them. Uh, maybe not Westerners to be honest, but. There's a lot of fans of this uh, the Thunder Force franchise in Japan. So, um, what are your thoughts about actually having a mobile Sega Gaga game released in 2005 and not, not even knowing about it? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because, like I said earlier in the show, um, if fans were going to do anything, they could just release 
that part on like a, a burnable disc. Right. And here we have Sega going out and doing it, but on a mobile game. Right. Which is funny because, as you mentioned at the top of the show, the game itself, like the RPG, it's a very mobile-friendly concept. But instead, right. they took the shoot 'em up, right. which is the console-friendly concept, and put it on mobile. Right. That's what I was wondering. I was like, wait, shouldn't it be the other way around? And it kind of, it's funny because it's like, you know, they should have just ported this whole game to mobile because then it probably would have been easier to translate because the mobile version probably would leave it a little more accessible for, you know, the the character (laughs) and everything. But, yeah, this, I mean, if if you're going to do anything, if you're like, if you know how to burn games and if you are a hardcore Sega fan and you haven't experienced this... I'd say burn a copy of Sega Gaga, burn a copy of VMU Tool with the Sega Gaga save files, and play through this, because it is a lot of fun, and it it doesn't scratch the itch of like truly experiencing Sega Gaga, but you get to see the end of the game, and you get right. to blow up a Sega Saturn at the end, which is really funny. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And, uh, I, do you have any closing thoughts on Sega Gaga? I mean, it's always kind of awkward to do these episodes where I haven't played the game. More often than not, it's like because I just didn't go to the effort of like burn, like finding a way to play it. This but game in this is case, unplayable. I couldn't. Right. Yeah, it's unplayable because I don't speak Japanese. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun learning a bit more about it. I hope people seek it out. I hope maybe someone listening to this like wants to translate it. Like if they go, oh yeah, that game. I know. I know how to translate. I could do this. Like. You know, knock on that guy's door, and get him to keep working on this, or help him with it. Right. I think um, I think the game is translated the text, but they can't just in, for they sure can't input it in the game. That's the issue. If you could, if you are a bad bad or a good Dreamcast developer, maybe the Elysian Shadow guys could get on this. Maybe. <laughs> okay. You know, I think we solved our problem. So what we do is we take everyone who has an unfinished Dreamcast project mm. and have them all work on this translation. That and would then work. the Elysian Shadow guy can, as his apology, he can burn all the discs and send them to us. That would be beautiful. You know, that would be beautiful. <laughs> so I do want to. I do want to mention yeah. one thing. So what do you think about the logo, the SGGG logo, the one that you used and it's used on everything? It's interesting. It's a typeface. I know. I have it on my computer. So it's a cheap, free but, typeface. No, no, no. It's from the Nisei um, fan-made. Oh, you got the... Uh, the yeah, so this yeah, is yeah, a yeah. unique font then for the game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's... um. I, I think what it's playing up on is Gaga. Like, you're, you're, like, in love with it. Right. So you're, like, Sega Gaga, like... You know, mm. I think that's what they're probably playing up on. I, I did read but, on um, the interview. He says that the game, the name has to him no significant name. Like it doesn't have any like personal attachment to it. He said that when uh-huh. he t- told he told Sega, Sega said it has to have Sega in the name. So he had two names on the document that he submitted as a proposal. It was Sega Gaga <laughs> and Sega Sega. So Sega twice. And they win with Sega Gaga, obviously. Um, do you think Sega Sega would have the same ring to it? I mean, it's in the song, right? They go, Sega, Sega. Right. Um, so maybe that's where you got it from. But I, I prefer Sega Gaga. But it is a little strange because the game's like, oh, it's not actually Sega. It's 
it's a different company. But then they're like outright going, oh, yeah, I used to work at Sega and my name's Alex (laughs) Kidd and Mario and Nintendo. Like it's a very loose parody. Like when they want to, they'll just be like, nah, this is actually Sega, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, Um, do you think that in 20, well, we're almost in 2025, so I guess it's more hindsight, but... Are you surprised that Sega thought of Sony as the biggest threat compared to Nintendo? Because they literally didn't even mention, like, they literally were saying Sony beat Nintendo. They basically beat Sega at this point. And you have to save us. So in their point of view, they thought Sony was going to destroy Nintendo Yeah, It's interesting. They really did see Sony as the big bad guy. Right. Um which I think was a reflection of what Sega staff probably were feeling at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I feel like they probably had a lot more positivity towards Nintendo. I don't think there's actually a lot of animosity. I think it's more the fan bases mm. uh, than anything. But it is interesting that um, yeah that they, that they didn't treat it more as an enemy. I, I, yeah. I do wonder. I, I would love to hear, like... 90s mid 90s early eight like early dreamcast developers their actual thoughts as a company like their personal thoughts on sony and their rivalry and what they actually thought about the moves they made because i do know that sony dominated from the 90s in the early 2000s like you can't you i mean you can't really deny that they did whip wipe the floor with sega and nintendo because like the PlayStation One and the PlayStation Two combined sold more units than I think at that point both companies ever made during their whole history, right? It was that's how much right. they were selling. So I could see it now. They seem very defeatable. Like the Switch has a niche where it just keeps selling. It's ridiculous. So now it doesn't seem so far fetched to think, oh, there's actually three big companies and anything could happen with Microsoft. Nintendo and Sony, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think by this point, Nintendo is almost in its a category of its own. It's not. It's almost like they took their struggling console with Wii U and basically turned what they do into a handheld developer. Right. That's basically what they are. Right. But I think because of the Switch's concept, it keeps them in the console game, which is interesting. Because I've I, pl- I probably play my Switch unconnect like undocked just handheld seventy five percent of the time. I think a lot of people do. You know, yeah, and so it's it's interesting that to survive, Nintendo really has turned into a handheld developer. I never would have thought that you know the company that made the NES and stuff is basically went the road of Game Boy, right? But. I mean, here we are, you know, and I guess the future will tell if um, Nintendo will continue, like, if they'll really make a beefed-up, hardware-heavy, console-only. I don't think they will. I think they will forever be focusing on this handheld market, which is kind of like the um, the Steam Deck right. is really more of a competitor to the Switch than anything else. So it's it's interesting that you know when we report on these games coming out like Sonic Frontiers is coming to Xbox, PlayStation, Steam and Nintendo Switch. Now it's kind of like there's Xbox and PlayStation on the home console on your big TV and then there's Steam with the Steam Deck and Switch with right. <laughs> with the handheld. 
So it's it's interesting. And where does Sega fit in with all that? It's like making games. They make games. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that you I know. would love to see like a, if they ever do another Switch or whatever. It's just better hardware where all your old games work. But like the I, the dock, I think idea wasn't taken far enough. I think there should be like some hardware so when you actually play it on your home, it's like oh I could do 4K on your TV. But when you take it, it's like all downgraded to like you know 720 or 1080p. Because, like, do you really need the beefiest hardware on the go with bad battery, you know? So. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah. I think it's interesting that this is what they saw for 2025. Uh, so they were totally wrong. Sega does not have 3% of the market share. They have 0% of the, of the console market share. And uh, Sony doesn't have as much as they thought they were going to have. Definitely not 97%. Uh, I would say roughly now it's like. 35 40% because now you have Steam, PCs bigger than it's ever been. You got, uh, I, I guess right. that's not a whole market, right? And then you got Nintendo selling a ton of Switches and Xbox doing Game Pass, which kind of changes everything, in my opinion. So, very right. interesting take on Sega's future from a developer. You want to read yeah. the Patreon comments to close it up? Yeah, yeah, I, I hesitate to call these memories because I don't think anyone of us, yeah. any of us actually remember playing this game. But um, yeah, so uh, if you support us on Patreon at any level, you can have your memories read at the end of the show. So we have Daniel Andres who says, <laughs> he goes all out. He goes, oh my God, holy crap. <laughs> now this is a nice surprise. I was not expecting you guys to do Sega Gaga out of the blue like this. Yeah, man, what a unique game this is. Honestly, I wish that this game was the Dreamcast's swan song here in the old, good old U.S. of A. In a way, uh, that would be fitting, but in another way, it would be sort of morbid-esque to the console. I do wish, however, that I, it was at least one of the last games released for the, cons- the system here. I remember discovering this game via the, once again, the famous Johnny Millennium, a.k.a. the Happy Console Gamer. I watched his review of the game years ago, and I remembered that it left me speechless. I just cannot believe that a game like this actually existed from Sega. I recently purchased the collector's edition in April, the one that came with the huge shirt and pins, and ever since then I put on a white Sega baseball cap that I wear practically every day. I also work at a video game store in Wald Lake uh, of Michigan, and I ask every person who is familiar with the Dreamcast if they know where my pins are from, or at least people who notice them and comment on them. While I haven't had anyone answer yes yet, this game is severely underrated and definitely deserves more attention, plus hopefully an eventual English patch. Regardless of that, though, I do love Sega Gaga as an overall concept, and I hope to make a video review of this someday. Nice. Uh, ben, ben Hayward says, I really love that Sega poked some fun at Alex Kidd's demoted <laughs> mascot status in this game. Yeah, I do. I think that's the highlight of the game. Um Really. Uh, Nicholas Schaefer says, Sega Gaga is such a unique concept that I think that if they had brought it to the West, it would have done gangbusters because this is what every Sega fan was doing at the time, couch directing how they would save Sega. (laughs) Yes, that's Uh, true. The community has, it's true, the community has done a lot of amazing things, but it's a shame that this hasn't been translated for the West and it is my biggest hope to see. So yeah, that that does it for the memories. Um, well, 
What's next? Yeah, so I was just gonna ask. What's next? I think you get to pick the next one, right? Or is there a picker for the next week? Or next couple? The next one has been picked. It is actually a game that I've been intending to buy for the longest time. I haven't gotten around to buying, so I guess I'm burning it. It's uh, Sword of the Berserk Guts Rage. Ooh, I got that game. That's a, that's a good yeah. game. Are you, are, so maybe you can give me some some pointers. Uh, <laughs> You'll be like, Barry, I'll do it. Right, oh, I mean, Push it back four weeks. It's a good game. Have you ever seen the Berserk anime or read the manga? I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I'm not super into it. So if you if you want to give me some uh, yeah. some pointers, let on me that. let me. Uh, there's this movie. No, not not during the show. Well, I was going to tell you real quick. There's this the Golden Age arc or whatever. There's like these uh, movies. There's three of them that just tells you the prequel, uh-huh. the pre-story. Very well done. Uh, it's basically the prequel to why this whole thing's happening in the game. It's very brutal. I wouldn't watch it with. Uh, Anyone that's too squeamish. Uh, basically, it's a really effed up game, uh, world. Basically, just say that. Um, but I find the manga interesting. I find the, the anime interesting. I used to be in, into it when I was younger because it's very grim, dark stuff. And I used to be edgy, so I'm definitely looking forward to talking about the game and your thoughts about it. There's a lot of stuff wrong with it, but man, this is so gory. It's cool. So. <laughs> that's what I like about it. I thought the graphics at the time were amazing too. So that's it. Great. Can't wait. <laughs> that's it for this episode of Sega Talk. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.